Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Make Money Count. Today, I'm as always. I'm sitting here with Marcus. Hi, Justin. And today we have a very special guest. He is head of underwriting for Connect, and his name is Phil Edwards. How you guys doing? LA. We're good. All right, all right, all right. It's great to have you on here. It's good to be here. Yeah, this. I don't know why you've been so reluctant to come on for so long. I like to stay in the background. I'm not uh, like the forefront type of guy. You know, I like to, you know, have my presence felt in the background. Hmm. My role, one of my roles is like... To be a buzzkill? Yeah. <laughs> and being the mature one. And when things go way too left, send everybody back in. You know? Huh. That's true. I like that. Really? Yeah. I thought it was just that you were moody. Uh, some might say so. I don't know. Just, you know. <laughs> not me. No, I, like, I, that's not me that's saying it. It's everybody else. Yeah, I don't say Somebody that. Somebody who rhymed Justin. Rustin? Yeah, no, Justin. I don't say that. I don't yeah. say that. It's not Justin Turner necessarily that would have said that. I love working in the office with Phil. It makes me happy. Phil makes me happy. Oh, my God. We got to, yeah. It's, you know it's what's really- funny? Is what a departure that is from what you usually say to me. Oh my God. Spill <laughs> the tea. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Tell us all about it, JT. Back on track. Today, we're going to be talking about obviously, we're going to get a little bit of an update on the market from Marcus. Um, uh, and we're going to be talking about, you know, a lot of people right now, they're coming up for renewal. They don't know what to do. Their mortgage rate is, is going up exponentially. They maybe can't afford their payments. And so we'll talk about some options. So, Marcus. Um, yes, Justin, talk to me. Other than the downfall of um, my favorite stock, what is happening? Hammered. Yeah. So you understand that, like, as much as we joke about a firm, it is um, It's kind of like the proverbial canary in the coal mine for the economy. Right. Because a firm was is a specialist in this kind of buy here pay here financing buy now pay later uh well yeah i think they call it buy now pay here or buy here pay here or regardless they definitely call it buy now pay later i am a majority stockholder in a firm uh, okay no i'm just joking so (laughs) the whole idea behind a firm is that you can divide up the payments for anything like you could buy like I bought you guys those sandwiches today, those bon me sandwiches. Yeah. Those bon me sandwiches, you could literally like divide the payment up into 12 payments. Right. Um, so the problem with that is it's like the last piece of credit, which is like the least secured, the least thought of, the most risky. And they were doing something very similar to what the banks were doing during the subprime mortgage crisis, right? Like they syndicate and uh, securitize that debt and they chop it up into positions and they sell it off and the guy that has the last piece makes the most and the guy that has the first piece makes the least but it's this kind of false sense of security because all of it is shit right it's all garbage anyways so a firm in a time period when interest rates are extremely low and there is a huge amount of capital available for this type of lending and the consumer is relatively healthy because they're not servicing a lot of their debt with high interest rates, that business model works really well, right? Leverage finance. Right. 
But in a market where interest rates shoot up and the risk premium associated with lending money into that tranche of capital increases to the degree that it has, well, then the market doesn't work as well. And not only that, the borrower can't afford it. Right. And the first thing the borrower will stop payment on is the 39 cents a month he needs to pay to finance the bond me sandwich he had January 11th. <laughs> right? Yeah. Anyways, it's hard to pay for things after you've received them too. Yeah. And it's, if you're, if you're in the, of the psychology of these borrowers who are using this, I think, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, that, the reason why it's funny, like we, we talked about a firm is that a firm, you know, is the kind of, uh, low hanging fruit of the credit that's going to get screwed with. Right. Um, but what's happening in the market, like specifically, I was looking at some great numbers. The Toronto real estate market is showing great resiliency. Mm. Like prices have kind of, the market's tightened. A lot of homes are going with multiple offers over the listing price. Like it's, I don't know, uh, you know, that obviously is going to get impacted when, as this additional supply hits the market. But I think like, Added to the adding that adding to the fact that like the the Bank of Canada has now yet again made an emphatic statement that they're not going to increase rates, right? Like it's it seems like this Bank of Canada governor it loves emphatic statements. Like first he told us interest rates are going to be very low for a very long time, so feel good about borrowing money. Now he's telling us interest rates aren't going to go up anymore. Like it's all. Fed speak. It's all like central bank talk. But so, do you think they're going to continue to go up? Uh, so it's a great question. Considering today we got Canadian employment numbers out, mm-hmm. and they were way hotter than expected. Um, so that, like, the problem is the labor market. We talk about that a lot, yeah. right? Like the labor utilization um, is so high that it's an issue, and the bank is definitely concerned with it as far as leading to inflation, right? To be clear, the less people that are uh, unemployed, the worse off for our market. Or for interest rates coming down anyways. Mm, yeah, yeah. The, you, yeah, exactly. So um, a lot of, I think part of this is that people left the workforce. Right. So they're not even counted in that unemployed rate. Right. So the number of people unemployed shrunk because the number of people that moved from being job-seeking unemployed people to non-job-seeking unemployed people, once they become non-job-seeking and they are no longer counted in that unemployed labor um, contingent. So like they're no longer counted in that, which means that there are fewer people to pick from to give jobs to. Right. We want to increase the number of people that can be picked from to give jobs to. Right. Um, and we're not seeing that, right? Like we're seeing that, you know, labor is getting sopped up into the economy at a very quick pace right now. And that is an issue for a central bank that's trying to fight inflation. So I think that, and the Bank of Canada is aware about, aware of the impacts on the housing market and on consumer debt. So, Listen, it's, it's all probabilities, right? Because it's like, what will the next action be? Right now, the Bank of Canada is telling us that they're not going to change interest rates and we're going to stay where we are for a period of time so we can tamp down inflation. If that is the case, 
and the unemployment rate increases as predicted, um, we could. It's likely that we won't see much more of a downturn on housing prices. But th- these things are changing, right? They're kind of constantly changing. So, right. Um, I think we probably still have a little more pain in the real estate market. I don't know when it's going to happen. Um, but you know, still like these high, these rates are high. They're high for everybody. People weren't anticipating them. So that's why like today, well, we got the hired guns out here, Phil tonight, tonight, uh, to tell us about some of the solutions that are available to people. Um, if they're having a hard time managing their payment, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, people's payment went from being calculated off a 1% rate to a 6% rate. Like that is a real thing, right? Like if you had a variable rate mortgage at prime minus 90, you went from one to six. Crazy, right? I mean, pretty close to that. Yeah. Yeah, it is pretty wild. There's a, I speaking to a lot of people who have that exact question of like, what am I going to do when my, what, like I'm, I'm, be, I'm renewing my mortgage right now. My mortgage rate was 2% and now it's, you know, especially with some of these like B lenders and stuff like that, you know, depending on who you're with. I mean, some of these B lenders are renewing at eight and a half percent. It's crazy. Yeah. It's ugly. Yeah. So yeah, what's yeah. the solution, Phil? Can you tell us? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> sorry. I think the, the, the biggest piece of advice that I could give is, is start the conversation, right? Um, you can't really expect to have anything change if you don't at least ask the question, like, what can I do to better my interest rate? Right. So, you know, I know you have a lot of conversations, Justin's with clients where they're saying, this is an unsustainable, right? I can't afford this next payment. That's a great place to start is if, you're, if you think that you can't uh, manage that payment, have that conversation. Uh, what we've been finding from lenders is that there are options uh, that are available to, to lower the payment. Number one, we can always look to see if there's another lender that's out there, right? The first place to start, basically. As just seeing, like, is there another option uh, to get you a better rate, better rate? Because there are B lenders, if that's the, the lender that you may be with or the, the category of lender that you might be in, uh, where we can find specials that are out there that are lower than 8.5%. Definitely. Right? Like, we have some lenders at, like, 4.99%, 5.99% mm-hmm. uh, that can be a significant savings to you. And if we get you in there with that lender, then amazing, right? That's immediate savings for you. Uh, there are other options, like if we can't move your mortgage, looking to see if we can re-amortize your loan uh, back to the original amortization or higher uh, to get your payments down. Um, and not even in the B lender space, like even in the A lender space, like lenders in general kind of understand the, the pain that people are going through. So there still are options. They may not be advertised, uh, but you know, as your mortgage broker, which you know, having that conversation, going back to that. Have it with a mortgage broker that you trust. Ideally, mm-hmm. you know, give us a call. Uh, but you know, we know of some things that lenders are doing, uh, like especially if you're in a variable rate mortgage. Uh, some lenders are allowing you to reamortize your mortgage uh, up to even 40 years uh, if you can demonstrate that you are in, you know, some financial. That's a good point. Market, so right? that a lot of people don't consider that, but the lenders aren't advertising the solutions. No, yeah, right. Like during COVID. They advertised the solutions. Those same solutions are available now, but they're not telling everybody about them because the more people that utilize those solutions, the worse it will look on the performance of their entire loan book. 
thereby affecting their share price, right? Mm-hmm. So they don't want to say that they're giving workarounds and remedies to more people than they absolutely have to. But you can definitely, when armed with the information, so if you are sitting out there and you're in a variable rate product and your rate has gone from one to six, well, you can have a conversation with one of our agents, arm yourselves with the information, and then go back to your bank. I mean, we can speak to them on your behalf, but I can understand, like, you know, you want to have that conversation on your own. We're more than happy to arm you with the tools that you need in order to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just need someone on your side. I think that's critical, right? Like the whole thing about connect, sound, unbiased mortgage advice. We want to give you the information. We're pretty confident that afterwards you're going to want to do something with us. But the first step is probably to have a conversation with your with your lender. We can do that for you or you can do that on your own. Mm-hmm. I actually had a conversation with a client yesterday. They had gone to uh, their bank, RBC, and they had gone to CIBC. and. Um, because of like a collateral mortgage on their property and this and that, they weren't able to do what their banks had promised them. And it took me, uh, and it should take any licensed mortgage broker or agent, uh, five minutes to figure this out. You know what I mean? Where they had been waiting for the banks for weeks, right? So the bank's not always your friend, you know what I mean? So, so, um, they don't know also sometimes, right? Yeah. The person you're dealing with at the bank might not know the entire suite of solutions that are available, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Like you just phoned into your bank. You spoke to one person. Again, we talked about this before. They're not necessarily licensed to trade in mortgages. They don't have to be. They don't have to have that level of knowledge. You're not necessarily getting all of the answers. You're not right. getting the full suite of products that are available to you. Mm-hmm. Whereas you call, I mean... I would say, like, if they got Phil on the phone, they would probably get a lot more information than if they called you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I got a question here. And if you um, are watching us on YouTube, I have buttoned up my cardigan since the last cut. So just so you know. All right. So, hey, Marcus, uh, I got a variable rate mortgage last year. This one's specifically for you. So no one else is allowed to answer. I got a variable rate mortgage last year. And since then, my payments have doubled. My mortgage balance is about 350 thousand and I have quite a bit of equity in my house. Um, my realtor said it was worth probably about a million dollars. I'm getting to the point where I can't afford my mortgage payments and this is really affecting my day-to-day life. I'm not sure what I can do or how much longer I can survive. What would my options be and am I stuck? All of the all of these decisions kind of come down to timeline and intention. Like so like right now if that property is in Toronto Values aren't that far off the high, right? There's not a ton of supply. Like a lot of this talk of like the market's collapsing, there's blood in the streets. If it's a good product in a good neighborhood, it has not come off that much. Mm -hmm. Not yet anyways. So whatever, like this person has a ton of equity, right? Mm -hmm. 350 on, it's a million dollars. If it's a condo, it's in Toronto. Unlikely that it, it, is a house in Toronto. Maybe it's a row house, you know, I, I it's unlikely that it's a house in Toronto. Right. Um, but they have a significant amount of equity that they can use. So the question now is like for me, okay, I have a family, young kids in my house. It is Phil, same thing. Like it's very disruptive 
to sell my house and move into a rental. It's also expensive, right? So like people need to consider that when they're going through this decision-making process. Like it's all fine to say property values are going to drop another 10%. Let's say worst case scenario, property values drop 15% from here. Let's, ma- let's, let's map this out. So over the course of the next 12 months, property values are going to drop 15%. And you know this. It's, it's, it is written. Okay? The worst case scenario will play out. We're going to see a 15% drop. It'll look way worse because in the middle of the drop, people will be like, oh my God, it's going to drop 50. But it's very, very, very unlikely that the values of properties will drop more than 15%. Okay. Let's crystallize that. And let's try to make a decision against it. Right now, for the next... 12 months, okay, is what the bond market is telling us. So for the next 12 months, rates are going to stay elevated. So our friend here who has a $350,000 mortgage on a million-dollar property, if he sells now, he will pay the real estate commissions for the sale, 50 grand. He will pay an expense to leave his current residence and move into a new residence, 10 grand. He will pay first and last month's rent on a spot that he needs to rent. We have to assume it's going to be relatively equal to the place that he was currently living. He was living in or he's living in right now. What is that? Five grand a month? I was going to say 3,500, but. For a million dollar condo. Rents are up. So rents are up significantly. So say say $3,500. Fine. First and last, seven grand. Let's just say 10. We're at $70,000, 7% of the value of the home to move. Add on to that, whatever the psychological, emotional expense of making that move is. There's a reason why when, when you give advice on buying a home, you say, like, this is a long-term investment. Right? Like When you buy it, you need to anticipate that there will be price shock, which is why the stress test was brought in which is why a good mortgage broker will discuss affordability with you when you buy a house. We get it though, right? Like unforeseen things happen. Like who would have ever anticipated rates were going to go up from one to six? Who would ever anticipate that this level of upheaval would happen in the marketplace? And it's unfortunate and it's gonna, it's, it sucks for a lot of people that need to manage these payments. But for whoever this person is, $350,000 mortgage and a million dollar valuation. I would definitely use one of the solutions available. And I would say there's, there's probably three main solutions, right? The, the first thing that I would try to do is I would try to increase the amortization on my variable rate product. I try to blow it out to as long as I could to mitigate the impact of the debt servicing payments. Because the cheapest way to service debt is to utilize that first mortgage, right? That first mortgage, even though it's a variable rate and it's probably like five and a half to 6% because mm-hmm. it's a point to 50 basis points below prime. So it's still high, but any other alternative will be more expensive. Mm-hmm. So if available, the first stop in your quest to solve this problem needs to be extending the amortization of the existing loan because it's the cheapest money. Mm -hmm. 
failing that, like assuming it's a B lender or it's somebody that isn't willing to be as helpful, you need to figure out whether you're A, going to switch that first mortgage out for a new first mortgage where the lender can be more amenable to those changes, or you're going to borrow a home equity loan. With the amount of equity that this borrower has, that home equity loan is not going to be very expensive. The one thing that I've noticed in the marketplace, home equity loans haven't really increased in rate commensurately with the rest of the market. Mm -hmm. Like You can still get a second mortgage at 8%. 8% is like prime, prime plus 130. Mm-hmm. Right? Prime 6.7. 6.7. Yeah. yeah. Prime plus 130 on a second mortgage if it's a good product. So there are a lot of options. I would say, like, the biggest pitfall anybody ever makes in this business is they assume they're going to need the money for less time than they, than they do. Mm-hmm. Just <clears throat> take it for longer and don't stress about it. Right. So, like in this case, whatever that dollar amount is to mitigate the damage that those payments are doing, um, you're going to erode your equity. Right. Like it's got to be expected that you're going to erode your equity. But you're also kind of playing with the delta between the cost associated with you selling and moving right now and the cost associated with servicing the debt that you need in order to stay inside of the place that you're in. This is not, nothing to say even about going forward, you're going to have to go and buy another place. Yeah. Conceivably, you will want to re-enter the marketplace. And unfortunately, the time that you will want to re-enter the marketplace will be when interest rates are lower and when property values are higher again. Mm-hmm. So it's like buy, buy high, having sold low. I mean, that's your investment philosophy, but like it doesn't work for many. <laughs> The money that you would have spent to sell your home and move, you're going to be paying a realtor. You're going to be paying someone else's mortgage when you rent a property, right? None of that money is reinvested into yourself. Whereas if you're staying in your property and you're paying down your mortgage, you're at least kind of, again, with that money you've borrowed, chipping away at the the principal on your first. What we're talking about right now is a person who's deciding on how much of their equity they're going to need to utilize to stay in the house. Right. So it's still an expense. Right, like right, right. On the income statement, this is an expense. It is the cost to service the debt, to maintain, to hold on to the asset for 12, 18 months to weather the storm. So either way, you're not investing it in yourself. You're not investing it in your property. You're utilizing chunk of your asset to spend in order to maintain it. So I get what you're saying. I'm just trying to compare it to the, like, the cost of the thing. Right? Yeah, so yeah. like, what's the cost? The cost for this guy, let's say he needs 100 grand and it's going to cost him 8%. Mm-hmm. It's 8,000 bucks to borrow the 100, right? Mm-hmm. In addition, the 100 is going to be used to service the 350. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a worst case scenario because like the 350 conceivably is at what 6% we said mm-hmm. so it's 20,000 bucks right $20,500 so like the $20,000 is the total of the interest expense associated with that first mortgage for a one year term less what the he was paying something 
before. So let's say it was 1%. So total new expense associated with this mortgage as interest rates have increased $17,500, right? Yeah. So if we're just trying to maintain this home, the real cost of holding onto this home for two years, we can kind of all agree that in two years, interest rates will have fallen back. Things will have stabilized. I mean, we we can agree to whatever, but like I just that's where my I believe myself that whatever we're going through, values will come down a little more, then rates will come down. It does, however, it seems to be taking a little longer, right? Like the jobs number came out, it was really good still. It's taking a little longer. And that that the fact that it's taking a little longer either means that we may have some secret strength within our economy that seems to be kind of holding on and maybe it can continue to hold on through the cycle after inflation comes down and then we can naturally reduce rates without having inflicted too much damage on our economy. I don't believe that that's the case. I don't believe it's the case. I believe all we're seeing is a slower reaction time to the increased interest rates and that slower reaction time than what has been anticipated by the market might simply just be pushing out the length of time for which we need to be enduring the high interest rates. So let's say it's the two-year mark, okay? And the two-year mark, we're talking about like a process by which we can conservatively estimate to be interest rates staying at a high level, coming back down, and then renaturalizing, renormalizing our real estate market for this borrower. Two years two years at an interest rate that's 5% higher than what it used to be, two years, 35,000 bucks, right? Five percentage points, $350,000 mortgage, one year, two year, 35 grand. Plus, he needs to borrow that 35 grand. Let's say there's other debts. Let's make it 50 grand that he's going to borrow at 8% now in second. But we can do that deal, right? Yeah. So then there's another 4000 bucks. $54,000 is the expense to normalize the, the timeline for the next two years, insulate this borrower. So the cost is 54000 bucks versus selling the home right now and having to re-enter the market two years from now when we can kind of agree values are going to be stabilized, if not higher. You know, I was going to say that exact same thing. <laughs> You took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, just all in, that math. Just in a different order. Yeah. <laughs> next question. All right. Hey, guys. I'm coming up for renewal within the next few months, and I just got my renewal offers. The rates are horrible, but I don't know where else to look. Is there something else I can do to help myself get a better rate? Is it possible to transfer my mortgage somewhere else? I mean, that's a pretty simple one. S- simple. So does that mean you want to field it? I can field it. Hey, Phil, you know what I like to do while he's answering his questions? Just in my head, think about all the mistakes he's making. Oh, God. God, that's so mean. <laughs> you know I'm the principal broker, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, I mean, listen, if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, uh, rates have gone up, you're worried about what you're going to do, it's a very common thing right now. It's pretty much everybody that's coming up for renewal. Um, so, you know, what I would say is, Marcus is making funny faces at me. Um, what I would say is just, you know, like Bill said earlier, which I think encompassed is such a beautiful thing, right? Is get everything started early. 
like reach out. That's the first step, right? That's Start the first the conversation. Step. Start the conversation. That's what you said. Um, when you go to your bank, if you're coming up for renewal with your bank, you know, I tell clients all the time that when you come up for renewal with your bank, your bank is going to offer your, your bank, you your bank's rate, right? You're going to have one product and one box to fit in. Perhaps you don't even fit in that box anymore. So, you know, you need to figure out another solution and, and coming to a mortgage broker, a mortgage agent is going to be, um, is going to be the, the best decision you make at that, at that stage, right? Um, like Marcus says a lot, it doesn't have to be connect, but it would be nice if it could be connect. Reaching out to a mortgage broker or a mortgage agent is, 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 is the only thing that you should do at this point, right? So that was really well answered. Yeah. Yeah. I would add that. Uh, especially Uh-oh. Oh, <laughs> not trying to steal your. No, 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 no. This is why you're here. Different perspectives. I like it. Add a little bit more value to that. But like, uh, especially on transfers from mortgage lender to mortgage lender coming up for maturity, maybe not even not like there are deeper discounted rates mm -hmm. when you're just moving your mortgage. You don't need to borrow additional money. So there may be some aggressive interest rates that that person would be uh, have available to them if they give us a call uh, because we would have access to those interest rates for them. Um, so that would be one thing for sure. Start that conversation with a mortgage broker, ideally connect, uh, where you know we can look at what those transfer rates may be for you. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those are typically like insurable products that we call some underwriter speak. Uh, that are basically like really discounted interest rates because those are, are mortgages that uh, are backed by an insurer because that kind of like saves money uh, for the lender. Uh, they can in turn offer like more discounted interest rates to their clients, right? Uh, so especially if you're up for renewal, uh, those are options that like we look at as mortgage agents uh, to kind of move those clients into essentially, right? Um, so yeah, 100%, uh, give us a call, give a mortgage agent a call, start that conversation. So we can look at some of those transfer rates for you. If you're up for maturity, you don't know what to do. And you're worried about like your rates kind of doubling uh, or your payments doubling because, you know, obviously we are, we are, rates are really high right now. I had a, I had a client come in the office earlier. They were coming up for renewal with their, yeah, yeah, with yeah. their, with their bank. Yeah. It may or may not have been Meridian. And, uh, and they were offering them the variable rate that they offered them was primed. They're like, my bank's offering me 6.7 for a variable rate. Is that good? And I was like, no, it's for terrible. your bank. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's good <laughs> for your bank. Yeah. So, you know, and a lot of the problem is a lot of the people, they just sign it back. Right. That's they the think, thing. Yeah. yeah. Like well, the bank is hoping, crossing their fingers and just hoping that you just sign the renewal that you're offering. Mm -hmm. Right. That you're not going to start that conversation or pick up the phone to say, what can you do better than um, so they're not going to put their best foot forward, right? Uh, as mortgage brokers, a mortgage agents, like that's our job is to always put our best foot forward because our interests are aligned, right? Like we want to save you guys money on your mortgage. That obviously, you know, gets us paid as mortgage brokers. Uh, and we have, you know, really discounted interest rates that, you know, are, we can offer our clients to help save them money. So in the end, uh, our interests are aligned, mortgage brokers, clients. Uh, as opposed to, you know, working with your bank who is just essentially kind of hoping that you, in a way, get screwed over, right? By just taking whatever they tell you is a decent interest rate. Right? I'm confident that that person, when I do pull their credit, also has their credit card with them. 
and their line of credit with them. With yeah. Meridian. And their car yeah. loan with them. And you've heard that yeah. rates are high. So like when you see a high rate on your renewal, you're probably just going to be like, okay, yeah, I'll take rates it. are high. Yeah. I'll just take it. But you can have the conversation uh, and ask the question, like, is there something that you can do better than this? Uh, have that with your bank and then call a mortgage broker, call Connect, see what we can do that can better that offer. Maybe we can speak to your bank because we do work with most of the major banks. Uh, and we can probably better that that offer that you that you've been given, right? And if you don't like me because Marcus makes fun of me all the time, Phil's always available as well. Everybody likes you. They do like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So hey, hey, Phil. Hey, Phil. Things are a bit rocky right now, and I'm and I'm in need of some financing. I have a five-year fixed mortgage at one point nine nine percent at four hundred thousand. My mortgage matures in the middle of twenty twenty-five. My property is worth about uh, uh, one million. A lot of one millions around here. Mm. I uh, think it's just people like yeah, yeah. It's just like, it out there. And I only need about one hundred and fifty to do some upgrades to my property and pay out my debt. I don't really want to lose my rate. Are there any suggestions that you have? Yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like you guys have answered similar questions uh, in the past on the podcast, uh, especially with clients who have like amazing interest rates like this person at 1.99%. Uh, you know, it, it would be great to know what the renovations are, what the upgrades are that the person is trying to do, mm-hmm. uh, just so that we can see, you know, whether it makes sense to include that in this renovation, right? Because uh, things are really expensive, so it may not be worth, you know, pulling that extra equity out right now. Uh, but, I mean, you know, the, 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 what we would do in this situation is look at the weighted average cost of capital, right? So look at what the options are to borrow a second mortgage, a home equity loan, home equity line of credit, uh, mixed in with like your existing balance that you have at 1.99%. Um, and just kind of see like whether or not it makes sense for you to, to borrow that money um, in comparison to kind of like staying, staying, the, staying the path, right? And what the other options are to, to borrow that money, which, you know, outside of the equity in your home would be unsecured financing, right? Which really right now is like way more expensive than, you know, what you could possibly get. Tough to even get approved for. Or robbing a right. bank. Or robbing a bank. So, you know, I, I, would, I would give us a call uh, so we can, you know, break down the numbers for you. But I would say, you know, even with a home equity loan, uh, if you were to consider borrowing that, like what would, what would that be priced at today if you had to take a guess? Uh, or, or, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll price follow it right now. Sorry, yeah, eight percent, yeah, eight, eight or nine percent, like not expensive. This is a million dollar house with four hundred thousand dollar mortgage, right? right? So, listen, there is a very, very low chance that anything other than a home equity loan makes sense for this borrower or a line of credit. Yeah, yeah, or a lot. First op- option would be a line of credit, but yeah. I got a question. I, oh. <laughs> what? Is that, that totally threw you off? Right? Yeah, that yeah. blew my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally allowed. Yeah. No, no. So, yeah. I mean, okay. Uh, March 1st, right? RSP deadline coming up. It is. I am an investor in the MIC. Can I get a, can we all get a MIC update how it's doing? Because I have to, which I did already put some money uh, for the RSP deadline, but Great. I did have to do some more to get my you know, top up limit. Mm-hmm. Did you put it in the MIC? Oh, yeah. You know, the MIC has done so well over this period of time. It's always, we're very defensive, right? Like we went into a lot of first mortgages. I, I would say 
the only kind of thing I would fault us for is that we've been a little too conservative. Like we went into a lot of first mortgages, so the yield on the mix isn't quite as high as I'd like it to be. I think that'll change over the coming months as we get paid back on some of the first mortgages and interest rates reset and recalibrate within the portfolio. But you know, we're we're at fifty percent loan to value. We're we're in a ton of great great equity position mortgages. We've got great borrowers. Continue we continue to be kind of aligned with our borrowers on the exit strategies, which you guys see on a day to day basis with mm-hmm. our files. Um, nothing's changed, and it that kind of speaks to where we are within credit. Like we started off the show, we talked a little bit about a firm and how a firm's position within people's credit is at the end, right? Like it's the last stuff that they're worried about. Like the stuff that's like, you know, the bond me. Like, listen, high risk car loans and, you know, these buy here, pay here loans. Like these, these loans are high risk. They're going to, they're the canary in the coal mine. They will default first. Connect sits right either in first position or right behind a first mortgage. And we are extremely aware of the real estate we're lending on. We're extremely aware of the values. And more than that, we're partnering with our borrowers. So combining those mandates that we have when we deploy capital is a real recipe for success. So, I mean, listen, I'm topping my RSPs up the same way. You know, um, a lot of people, like, it's funny, right? Like, we're having, an, we're having inflow of capital right now over this period of time, which is very rare in this space, right? Like, you hear these stories about, like, Blackstone has a REIT and they're, they're faced with tons of redemptions or Romspin Capital mm. is faced with tons of redemptions. We aren't the same type of fund as they are. You've heard a lot about these other funds, right? Like Romspin or Blackstone, where these massive funds with billions of dollars in it that were forced to deploy it into a whole bunch of different buildings or, or developments. They're forced to prevent anyone from redeeming and go in and realize on the investments. Well, just by nature of the way Connect operates, we, we, will, we won't suffer that level of drop in the value of the assets we're lending against to ever impact our loan because we're giving so much of a buffer between the amount that we're lending and the value of the property. So even if it does drop, we're still covered by the amount of equity. But more importantly, we're partnered with the borrower to get an exit. We're partnered with the borrower to get out of the loan together with the borrower by helping the borrower get better at whatever it is that was deficient in the loan in order to exit it. So, um, listen, I, I wish the make returned a little more right now. I think we're like close to 9%. I think we'll probably be, you know, 10 or 11 by the middle of the year. Um, but again, I should like kind of preface that with like, past performance is not, not indicative, indicative of future, of future returns. returns and that like 
like whatever um, you know i don't know whatever the stuff is that you need to say for the OSC. we'll put it on the bottom of the screen sure great it always makes me nervous <laughs> but like I, listen i have a like I, I have a lot invested in our mortgage fund and um, I'm so happy that it's there and that it's not anywhere else. Like the S&P, I don't know what it closed the day at, but it was probably above 4,000. Consensus is that based on what earnings are coming out and the multiple that the S&P should trade on earnings, that S&P doesn't belong at 4,000. Right. Belongs closer to 3,500. So can you imagine, right? Like if you're invested in mutual funds right now or a, a basket of companies that you believe to be blue chip, dividend paying stocks, those are on the S&P. And those have the, the, the it's possible that those could drop 10 to 15% from here. The mix's not going to drop 10%. Or fifteen percent, or five percent, or one percent, for that matter. Right? It's going to continue to pay you your dividends. It's going to continue to pay you your return, and that's something that I'm proud of. And I think that if you are considering where you're going to invest your money this RSP season, look no further than <laughs> Connect Mick. Well, as a minority shareholder in a firm, I can definitely say that I appreciate. Uh, connects returns and the, the, the conservative approach because it's been like a hedge against you know other investments that I have that haven't been doing that great uh, but also just like in savings right like it's a great kind of for lack of a better expression like set it and forget it yeah I don't mm. have to worry about the statements looking at it to track I don't open my iPhone to look at my widgets to see like oh gosh how much did you lose in a firm today <laughs> Phil's got a firm oh you also have it I am yeah. I told him to buy it <laughs> at like 150 bucks yeah uh jumped in there and yeah wow yo-yos <laughs> so yeah connected hey, you guys ride or die with that thing now right? <laughs> no i'm going to the like i'm going to zero zero I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm dollar cost averaging down so i can get out at something decent oh you're buying a little more and stuff i'm going to i'm gonna wait yeah. for it to tank a little bit more and then i mean it's like 12 bucks right now <laughs> get myself out of there. I don't know if that's the right approach. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I know one thing is, is for sure is that's not the same decision. I worry about that dollar cost averaging down move. Yeah? Yes. In this case. I would look at the loan book. I'd look at if they've secured financing to take their loan book. They may, like, I, I, don't, I, haven't, I don't follow the company. Why don't you look into it for us? <laughs> Man, <laughs> I'm telling you what to look for. Look into it yourself. But like, <clears throat> this is what I'd be worried about. If they can't make new loans because their capital stack has changed, the amount of money they have and the cost of that money, if that runs out, like these companies aren't profitable, they burn money. So this company will likely continue to burn money, but it will now burn money at a faster rate because the cost of the funds that they're using has increased and the amount of money that they can lend has decreased. So they can't make as many loans and the loans aren't as profitable and they were losing money before. They're just going to lose more money going forward. Well, it sounds like I'm selling. I, I, listen, <laughs> I don't know. You got to ask the questions of, like you, you can ask the company these questions too. You know that, yeah, right? Yeah. Like you can start the conversation. Write an email. 
bring it I mean, full circle. For me, the good thing is I don't have a lot invested in it, so it's not really that big of a like a huge concern of losing sleep over it, right? Mm-hmm. And either way, as I was saying before, like I like the fact that like it's not the same type of decision that I have to make where it's like in a connect versus mm-hmm. like a kind of firm, right? You gotta ask the same questions, obviously, right? Make sure your investment is secure. DYOR, DR, whatever, do your own research, right? Uh, but I mean, I, I, I being in the industry, uh, have more knowledge of what we do, mm-hmm. uh, how we lend. Uh, so I know, you know, this is more secure, but I, I, I know, you know, I can sleep easier at night knowing where my money, most of my money is parked. All right. I think that brings us to the end of the, the closing of a chapter. Today we had our, our, our head of underwriting, Phil Edwards here. Phil's amazing. If you have the pleasure to have Phil assigned to one of your files, I mean, it's a, it's a good as deal as done, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you very much. And I'll see you guys next week. Well, maybe not you, but I'll see you again hey, soon. You never know. Yeah. Maybe they'll just be me and Phil here next week. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be okay with that. I'd be watching from the crowd. Aww. Yeah. Well, if you guys want me back, I'm always uh, I'm always available. Well, we didn't say that. It. We didn't say that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, bye, guys. Bye.